I'm Sam. And this is Discontent, a podcast about nothing and for no one. And happy uh, Hamilton weekend, guys, because Fourth of July is canceled. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not real. <laughs> All countries matter. <laughs> All countries matter. I did a sparkler on my patio. That was my patriotic duty for the day, I guess. I wore a Captain America shirt, which is not a not a norm not 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 a not normal occurrence, but you know, that's about it. I actually did wear a specific wardrobe, but it's because I bought like two and a half years ago at a I think a, at a Goodwill or something, this dress that just has like dogs dressed up as hot dogs wearing like sunglasses and it's like red white and blue (laughs) so it's a dress that i could only wear on like three specific days of the year being memorial day labor day and fourth of july and so i wore that to the park but that was so that was my most patriotic duty but then i also did sparklers hot dogs as dogs is patriotism (laughs) yeah i mean what's more american (laughs) i mean it's it's my my only patriotism I'm willing to do. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do anything. We did like our chores that are usual on the weekends. And I honestly forgot for most of the day that it was 4th of July. It was yeah. super like dead around cl- where I live. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you, you're, oh, you're going to be a secretive know. now? I don't know. I don't know. I was like, are we hiding things? I live in Columbus. You can't find me. There's a million people here. <laughs> but it was like super dead, like driving down the street. It was like no one was around. And I was really worried that people were having parties, but I never saw a party. I nary saw a party. So I can't say for sure that people were partying. Yeah, I didn't really hear anything. I mean, late last night, there were definitely fireworks going off, but yeah. we were already like in bed and like, <laughs> like, no thanks. Yeah. My dad and his wife bought a house that like backs up to um, like a, like a field, like a farm, you know, farm field. Um, and so there were, uh, my dad was saying that it wasn't this, but I like, I'm pretty sure that it was just like, you know, youths out in a field <laughs> setting off fireworks, like, cause there were a lot of fireworks going off, but also it might've been an organized thing just because they were nice fireworks. And I was like, teenagers probably can't afford like nice fireworks. So maybe it was <laughs> a nearby, I don't know. Some places around here did like drive in fireworks, which would have been oh, fun probably. Interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, our big our big firework thing for the year was canceled because uh, they are smart. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, we definitely heard some fireworks in the neighborhood. Never. I didn't see anything. I just heard many booms, several, several booms. Well, other than uh, that, I guess, is is watching Hamilton patriotic. I mean, kind of. Yeah, we did that, too. But uh, I also spent the past two days watching um, RuPaul's Drag Race UK, which is the opposite of patriotism because it's just investing in a different country's drag queens. Other than that, I went kayaking on Thursday to Delia's Chagrin. I'm so mad. I'm so mad, Corey. (laughs) Fuck you guys. Hey, it's not. It wasn't my choice. If someone asked me to go like, hey, do you just want to go kayaking? It'd be a hard sell. But this was for a friend's birthday. And she was like, the only things the only things we can do are limited because of COVID. We can do this because it's outdoors and, you know, separated by water. And so I was like, okay, fine. I've been wanting to go kayaking every summer since we were in high school and no one will go with me. 
You never mention it at a Fierce. time that I remember it. You got to tell me constantly. I was to say, you just got to organize it, man. I've been kayaking like five times in that period of time, but every time someone else did the organizing for me. <laughs> so you just got to take the initiative, bud. Summer is my birthday and I demand someone to organize a kayaking trip for me. <laughs> Fine. We can do that. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was fine and good. And at one point... We were going down the river and one of the people was like, oh, there's a fork in the road up ahead. And I asked, like, which way are we going? And everybody said right. And so I started to go right. And I was like towards the head of the pack. And then somebody else decided, oh, actually, look, there's like a lagoon kind of pull off thing here. Let's go in here and went to the left. And everybody then went to the left and left the three of us that were at the front of the pack <laughs> just going down the wrong side of the river. So I was like, great, cool, hold on. And like had to <laughs> rotate and paddle against the current in a rapid to get <laughs> to where they were. And then I got there having to have get, gotten out of my kayak to like walk myself in. Cause after a while I got tired. I don't row. And then <laughs> I get there with like muddy shoes and angry because I had to get out of my my kayak and I get to the little lagoon thing and they were like oh wait there were like three people way ahead weren't there oh they already probably went right never mind let's go right so I did all of that for fucking nothing <laughs> I was so mad I only let myself be mad about it for like 15 minutes because like it's some it's my friend's party I'm not gonna be an asshole about this but like I kind of wanted to be an asshole about it for longer oh Corey <laughs> other than that I wanted there to be somebody in charge that's really what I wanted but other than that it was fine the last time I went kayaking I saw like several people who had their dogs in kayaks and I was like that's there's no way I could do that with either of my dogs they would fucking flip out and also you have big old dogs <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. But there were some people that had, like, big dogs that just, like, sat in the back of their kayak. And I was like, how how do you train a dog to do that? I don't you, I don't understand. I mean, you do it. You just do it. Well, and if you they, make them do it. If they jumped off, wouldn't that fully knock you over? Yeah. I, yeah. I, what's it like to have good dogs is the question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I love my dogs, but they're big dumb idiots who cannot be trusted <laughs> well that makes them lovable well i did not go kayaking this week i i i did leave my house several times to like go for a bike ride or a walk or something so i've been i'm trying to stay active but i spent uh i think at most recent uh time somewhere in the vicinity of like 15 hours um just playing pokemon sword and shield and you might be telling yourself, oh, it makes sense. The, the the DLC just came out for Pokemon Sword and Shield. So she's probably doing that. Um, you would be wrong. I am an idiot. But mostly Sean, our producer, is an idiot. Who was like, <laughs> who was like, there's this technique to hunt down shiny Pokemon and we should do it. Well, he was like, I should do it. And then I was like, I want to do also. And so at my last count... I filled up my Pokemon boxes, which is a pretty hard feat to do because there's 32 boxes of 30 each. Um, God. <laughs> so the, when I started to empty out the boxes, I got to um, 780 hatched Rowlets. Oh, my God. And I've since filled up four more boxes. So I'm somewhere in the vicinity of like 900 or so. And the process of, of hatching a Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield is basically you stay in, in one like five square foot area 
and ride around in circles until the egg hatches. And then you go back to the nursery and you get another egg and then you do that over and over and over again. And so I, I'm in hell. Um, oh but, God. but, oh I, God, <laughs> but I, I won't stop. <laughs> I won't, I won't stop until it happens. I, I'm too, oh I'm in too deep now. Oh my God. Sam. I'm in too deep now. Oh my God. Sam. <laughs> so that was my week. Well, I was going to say I'm still in hell this week, in Witcher hell specifically, but yours is worse. Yeah, no, <laughs> You've no, no. beaten me. I'm fully in hell. Like, I have, I have <laughs> taken on a, a Sisyphusian curse that, of my own design, and, I, and at the end I'm going to get a shiny Rowlet, and I'm, I'm realizing now that I already have a grass type and already have a ghost type on my team, so I'm probably not going to use it. I'm not even going to use it, guys. <laughs> I, just, I just want to have it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm... <sighs> God, I'm, I'm still in hell. Buckle up. We're going to talk about Witcher for the third week in a row. I know. <laughs> we're, we're not going to talk that much about the Witcher because I don't want this to become like my backdoor pilot into a Witcher cast. I'm just angry, I guess. Solo Witcher cast. The Witcher cast that no one will do with you. I'm just alone in these feelings. No one is here with me. No one understands. I'm alone. I'm here all alone. Toss a pod to your Witcher. Is that <laughs> I'm sure that's already a podcast. I'm, I'm positive it's already a podcast, and that and that Joey Beatty has already been on that podcast. So I don't need to do that because if I ever talk to Joey Beatty, I'll scream. But <laughs> I'm mostly just—I can't believe I've done this. I've fallen into another fandom like this that is just going to queer bait me for the next, I don't know, however many years, and I it will never satisfy me. I will I, in in line with our. Uh, topic this this week. I will never be satisfied <laughs> due to this dumb show, and I'm angry about it. But we don't need to talk about it. I just am frustrated. Just know that just know that we are all in hells of some kind this week yes. and always. I just shows are always queer baiting me, and I always fall for it because I'm a weak ass baby. <laughs> <laughs> And anyway, we, we could we could talk about Hamilton now. Yeah, I was gonna say that's, all, that's all, like the good that's the good thing that we yeah, watched. Yeah. <laughs> on the topic week. of never being satisfied, and also on the topic of like not really queer baiting, but you know the Laurens and Hamilton of it all. Um, <laughs> we watched Hamilton this week uh, as it dropped on Disney Plus on Friday. Yeah, so we're going to talk about movie musicals. Specifically a lot about Hamilton, because I have a lot of thoughts about Hamilton watching it again. Yeah. I guess not watching it again. I didn't see it originally when it was uh, touring. Yeah, as we as we mentioned last week briefly, I saw it when it came to town a few years ago. Sam was in the room as it was being performed, but couldn't really see it because she wasn't wearing glasses. <laughs> so she saw a bl- she saw blurry people in the distance while Hamilton was playing. I was I was quite literally in the room where it happened to me, <laughs> but unfortunately she didn't yeah. have her glasses on. I didn't I didn't he- I didn't see how the sausage gets made. I, I heard how the sausage gets made, which is yeah, probably. Aaron- Worst ghost was over your shoulder being like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, where do we want to start? Do we want to start at the beginning? Do we want to start with characters? Where do you want to do you want to like work our way through? I'll I'll start with like criticism because I I have read, I've been reading a lot of like, you know, because because, you know, it's streaming now and everything. There are a bunch of like quote unquote think pieces about it. <laughs> yeah. And 
I mean, I will say that it hits different for me in 2020 versus, you know, 2015. Yeah. It's it's a it's a different feeling. Hey, remember like hope? <laughs> right, yeah, remember feeling like optimistic and feeling like a forward sense of trajectory for our country and our culture. <laughs> remember like having faith in government? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of the criticism I've read is that, like, it's kind of toothless. It's very sort of a liberal Obama-era politics, and I agree. Yeah. Um, I will say that the most valid criticism of Hamilton that was true back then and is true now is that, like, the sort of multicultural uh, diversity kind of angle that's very much of its time of the Obama administration is its weakness and watching it now, especially right now, as we're all reckoning very much with racism in the current moment, um, seeing it is, it's like very clear to me that this show was written by, by a non-white person, but a, also a non-black person. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the only real bit of the show that is, like, discordant for me is during the cabinet battle when it's, you know, Hamilton calling out uh, Thomas Jefferson for being a slave owner. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like a non-black person saying that to a black person. I'm like, "Mm, okay, that's (laughs) not quite right. That's not quite right, you guys. Like, the show doesn't really does kind of diminish slavery or like at least kind of have it be sort of just a background, like, plot device. One of the big criticisms I see specifically centers around um, Hercules Mulligan's whole situation, because, like, his, you know, his slave Cato was really, really integral to his whole Mm -hmm. spying business, and not even a character, yeah. Right. Um, And I mean... it makes kind of sense because how yeah, can you I mean, reconcile it, that with the messages you're right. also trying to to tell? But like, I mean, I know you guys probably know that Toni Morrison like <laughs> funded yeah. a, a play about <laughs> how bad Hamilton is. <laughs> but like, yeah. that's like one of the big criticisms of that piece, which is basically like it doesn't address the like actual yes. people of color that were in the history surrounding Hamilton and instead just puts people of color in these white roles. That's sort of the balance, right? Because Lynn had to, he's using the founding fathers as the scaffolding on which to build a very powerful story and one where he is purposefully highlighting people of color and putting them in like prominent historical roles Mm -hmm. and like drawing that analogy between like the suffering of people of color and the sort of suffer, quote unquote, suffering of (laughs) like, you know, rebel Americans or whatever. And that's a very powerful thing that he's done. But at the same time, that's sort of at the detriment. What you end up doing is you humanize these, you know, white slave owners and really sort of like, it's very clear, like this is more an immigrant perspective than it is like a like American people of color. Right. And the fact that it, it is uncomfortable that it is done sort of because so much of the show, it's like themes and it's like musicality is based in, you know, black culture mm-hmm. and like black music and uh, literal black bodies playing the characters. <laughs> it does kind of, it is, it is disingenuous in that way. And that is the weakness of the sort of multiculturalism of that doesn't like directly address anti-black racism. And we're, we're obviously seeing the results of, you know, a culture yeah. that embraces diversity, but still fails to really 
reckon with anti-blackness specifically. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that's that's been said about it. I mean, I understand where it's coming from. I, I obviously I can't speak to it as a person of color because I am not. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I really think it's it's like up to the viewer whether or not that that like pays off for you. Yeah, you know, like I could like I'm not black, but it's a question too of like w- whether. Because, like, if the other option is to, like, cast those people, cast the people that own slaves as white people or whatever, I do think that's, that's, that some doors were opened by the whole multicultural casting thing in other industries, like in Hollywood, other play, like, producers and casting directors saw people of color playing these roles that were not supposed, quote unquote, supposed to be pe- people of color. And I think that that has opened up opportunities for people and like made stars of these people. If nothing else, yeah, this show really launched the careers of all these people that I think are amazing and are yeah. definitely deserve all the recognition they've got. Um, and I will say like, as as a person who is not black, but is like a child of immigrants, the show definitely hits home in that way. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely, again, at the expense at, of some of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and that's difficult to reckon with. That's just sort of a conflict. Like you can't really get past it. Yeah. I love the show, but yeah, you yeah. Know. I mean, I think anyone, anybody who either casts it outright as outright good or outright bad is wrong. I, I just think it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get. I'm. I really only accept this sort of criticism from like black critics right, because yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the the articles I'm reading are by like white liberals, and I'm like, you know, I don't like. I just <laughs> I'm not interested in hearing that from you. Like purity poli- purity of politics is not possible. Yeah. And Lynn did a very incredible thing with the show. Yeah. Um. But again, the 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 criticisms are valid. Yeah. It's yeah. very it's very hard to write a perfect piece of art, and he did his best, and we appreciate yeah, it. I mean, he he did. This is, listen, this is Lynn's masterpiece. When he dies, this will be the first line of his obituary, as he said in multiple interviews. <laughs> yes. Like, he did a very incredible thing with the show. And we should actually talk about the show now, because I love the show. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue and say that I'm sad to hear about the Hercules Mulligan of it all, because, in my opinion, Hercules Mulligan is the best character in the musical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As far as the depiction of him in the show goes. Yeah. yeah. As far as like who I, if you asked me, hey, Corey, you're going to be on in Hamilton. They're going to do an, a high school all white version of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> well, first you'd be like, no, thank you. I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> but if somebody asked me what role I would like to play, it would be Hercules Mulligan to get to throw some flower petals and jump out of nowhere and... <laughs> You know, do all of the do all of the silly nonsense and say, you know, uh, France and all that kind of stuff. France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do want to where do want to start? Do want to start with the depiction of Hamilton? Do want to start with the depiction of? We can start with the person that the show really focuses on at the end and talk about the the fantastic Philippa Sue. Yeah, I mean, I just want to go through. I I can't actually make like a list of my favorite songs because again, like I think the show is very tight. Like, despite how long it is and how, like, much, like, there's so much in the show. It went by and really it, fast. Like we, we I know, yeah, and yeah. It, it has such a forward momentum, and there's so, like, Lynn clearly tried, like, it's very clear that Lynn read that turnout book and was like, I need to put every <laughs> fucking thing I can in this musical. Because, mm-hmm. like, literally so much happens, and there's not one song that you could, like, pluck out of the show and have it still, like, historically and linearly make sense. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I will say some, I'll go through some of my favorite songs. Like, I think my first favorite song is Satisfied. 
Yeah. Just because that's, that's probably the song I lis- I've listened to the most off of that album. Fully agree. Yeah, Lynn, like, live-tweeted watching it on Friday night, um, and yeah. I went back and read all of his, him and his wife Vanessa's uh, live-tweeting yeah. experiences, and uh, he basically tweeted, like, Satisfied like is my ultimate masterpiece, like, within this, within Hamilton, Satisfied is the best song, and I'm like, yeah, true. It's so good, and watching it on, like, the way they did it on stage with the flashback is so yeah. powerful, and it works mm-hmm. so well. Like, you can hear it when you're listening to it, it totally translates, but watching it is also, like... They did it. They just did it so well. I love that set. Just segue into like <laughs> both Sam and I have a history of being being scenic set designers in theaters, and so like I've I've read multiple articles about how they built that set because I'm that person. <laughs> I'm that bitch. <laughs> the rotating set is really cool, and also the like second layer of all of the like scaffolding and stuff behind. And like you guys said earlier when we were watching it, like the fact that it's like mostly stagnant, like there's not a lot of like moving parts to it is nice. There aren't like big set pieces that are being moved. It's mostly just like yeah. chairs and tables and stuff being moved in and out. Yeah. And that's my favorite kind of set is one that is mostly stationary and that can is like a through line broad enough yeah. that it can, you know, be multiple it's so you know. manipulable because it looks it doesn't really look like any specific place either. Right. Like, the it's, thing it probably it's just looks, like a stage, like with some yeah. backdrop. The thing it kind of really looks closest to is like a shipping yard. But like that's yeah. not even really a, a part of the play. It's just like, here's some stairs, change it with lighting, basically. <laughs> yeah, like here's some elevated platforms, some stairs. We can bring in some chairs and some tables and then the rotating platform to allow movement. If you want someone to dramatically cl- come down the stairs, that can happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. if, if you want someone to stand up on the scaffolding like they are in heaven, we can do that. <laughs> right. But I think Satisfied is like, it is truly a masterclass in like drilling down to the essence of a feeling and conveying it in like the most efficient way possible. Like a lot of that is uh, Renee Elise uh, Goldsberry. Goldsberry. Goldsberry and her, like the way she delivers it, it's her enunciation is out of this world. I can't yeah. get over it. Going going back to what Corey was saying about Lynn and Vanessa's tweets, uh, Vanessa said something along the lines of like, I told Lynn when he was writing this musical that he had to give women more raps because he was like yeah. only giving men raps. And then he wound up giving the best rap to yeah. Renee. Like, hands down, it's the best. It's the best lyrical like turn of phrase in the entire yes. entire yeah, show and again it's just so efficient in storytelling when angelica like listing off the her three truths is like so powerful and you immediately know like you know who she is in less than five minutes yeah and you get her themes right away and it carries throughout the show and like you understand who this person is immediately yeah and that that clarity of like want and need and yes. like representative of theme is so like every every character has that that is the the masterpiece of the show is that Lynn really like he I mean what li, listen Lynn wrote founding father's fan fiction he did it really really <laughs> yeah. well he did a really good one I've been reading fan fiction for over 15 years of my life I've read very bad fan, <laughs> fan fiction and I have read extremely extremely good fa- fan fiction better than any like published novel I've ever read and this is good ass fan fiction <laughs> yeah. y'all yeah like this is good ass fan fiction about the founding fathers <laughs> yeah like I mean 
similarly like wait for it is such an exact like it gives you everything yeah. you need to know wait for it is my next favorite song yeah in the show it gives you everything you need to know about burr and the again i said it when we were watching it the line um i am the one thing in life i can control like hits so hard like it's <laughs> like smacks me across the face and i'm like yeah same i feel you <laughs> yeah i, I could pre- i could have predicted that <laughs> Uh, That's basically what your in and gram or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Was about. yeah. Well, remember when Corey got really into her Enneagram for like a week? And now I can only remember what my top two numbers were and not which number was my top number. Right. I like, so I guess my reasons for liking the top songs that I like are different because I'm very partial to Chris Jackson in general as a singer. Like every time yeah, he's, he's on stage, I'm like, Nothing but respect for my president, but (laughs) also, and like, it's not an important song in the show necessarily, but Farmer Refuted is such a cool, it's such a challenge. It's like expert level songwriting and it's so fun and good and I love it so much. It is. It's like not sing-alongable, but it is incredible to listen to just because there's so much diction involved. We can try, you know, I will try. (laughs) (laughs) The show isn't stopping me from trying to like sing and rap along. And so like while David Diggs is like going on about guns and ships and I'm sitting here blathering like an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> with my useless mouth. Taking the source of the rains, wicked red coats, right of the blood stains, yeah. <laughs> like, if I had to pick a top three for different reasons, like, emotionally, I think Burn is my favorite, or Dear Theodosia. They're, like, my two top, like, the ones that, like, hit me in the gut the most. Yeah, I really like Dear Theodosia. Like, I don't get worked up that much about, like, legacy and children and shit but that works me up and then you know there's just there's different reasons to appreciate every song really and even like when i was like before we watched it i was just re-listening the soundtrack because i hadn't listened to it in a couple years and like during my shot just like the way it like sets it up like that that song after not listening to a while made me like genuinely emotional because it like very clearly and very prominently in that first bit of that show sets up it like very much puts like people of color and their struggle into the roles of you know these historical people struggling and it just it forces it like the forceful humanization of people of color is that's like clearly aimed at white audiences is very powerful like again a big criticism of the show is that like broadway is white and it's a lot of it's pandering to white people which is true of like you know live theater for the most part anyway especially on the scale as much as as lynn tried to make hamilton accessible it is the most clear presentation of how fucked up broadway is these days because of everything that happened and we know that like lynn tried very hard for years for this to happen to release a stage recording and he's finally gotten it done and done it earlier than he than was expected which is great um but, you know, Thanks, theater COVID. is... Thanks, COVID. Yeah, I mean, theater is exclusive. <laughs> theater is yeah. inherently, you know, has a lot of barriers to entry. Um, and is very much like, especially Broadway-level theater, is very yeah. uh, very much like a status symbol more than just like a storytelling experience the way it should be. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, but, I'll be perfectly transparent. When I saw it in Chicago, it cost me several hundred dollars, and I only yeah. was able to get the tickets because my friend's parents, <laughs> who are white, yeah. <laughs> knew somebody who had season tickets. Like, yeah. it was very much a, uh, you know... It's an, uh, it's an elitist, it's an elite elitist level thing, yeah. of, of, like, recreation, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is why I am glad that, like, you know, Lynn did the stuff where they would, like, bring in kids from from yeah. na- like area high schools and have them watch the show and then do like a and a about the history of it at the end. And man, to be an AP history, te- U.S. history teacher and have Hamilton <laughs> to be like, hey, kids, do you want to learn about the founding fathers? Like, that's got to be nice, you know? Well, I mean, also, to be fair, another criticism is that, like, he definitely took a ton of liberties. Again, this is fan and fiction. That's he true. Took, right, he took right. so he took many, many liberties with the story because, again, like the founding fathers and the uh, the American Revolution is just sort of the scaffolding on which he is like that's true. hanging all of these themes. Like Alexander Hamilton was not that for likes, like you know, Abolition. freeing the slaves yeah, or anything. Right. Like a lot of them were not. That was yeah. It's, a, you know. it's still a good way to p- get people interested in learning the actual it history, is. though. Yeah. Like it's it is. like you definitely have to supplement it with like actual history books. But well, like, I mean, like imagine a history class where you're talking about the American Revolution and they just play like a track from Hamilton and then talk about why it's not historically accurate. Like that would be a fun class, yeah. you know? Yeah. But and also like I do think that if you come away from this musical feeling like I don't know good about the founding fathers and about Alexander <laughs> Hamilton like you missed the point. <laughs> yeah, I mean the one the one point that I do think is very clear and very accurate is very illustrated in one last time where George Washington is just singing his last speech and we're you're just like settling on the fact that man, we really did Washington dirty on everything he wanted for this country, huh? Yeah, he he was like, Hey guys, I'm going to retire from this and I need you to keep like being a country and like moving on and like upholding the laws of a nation and moving forward towards progressivism. And we were all like, mm, no, we're going to try and deify <laughs> you for a hundred years. We're going to draw a bunch of paintings of you as like an angel or a god, like shirtless and super jacked. We're going to give you an Egyptian obelisk that represents <laughs> Ra and yeah, also are, the eternity we're, we're, of gods. <laughs> we're literally going to try and deify you because you're our god. Daddy, wa- Daddy Washington, come back. But we're, we're going to do all of that and then also like disregard half of the stuff you told us to do moving yeah. forward. No, we're definitely going to entrench a very permanent two-party system and fuck it up real hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and go, you know, go put stick our nose into business all over the place all over the world. Just a lot of a lot of things that he was like, "Hey, how about not this?" And then we were like, "Okay, love you." And then went and did the stuff he asked us <laughs> not to do. <laughs> We're, we're just like sociopathic teenage children, like, whatever you say, dad. And then you go out and just like mess light it a, up. Light a Jamba Juice on fire. Right. <laughs> I, as far as like casting and stuff is concerned, um, I really appreciate the, the continuity of how the roles kind of play off of each other, like as to which roles are the same person, like the same actor, like Lafayette becoming Jefferson and uh, Lawrence becoming Philip. Like I appreciate a lot how those, how the, the, the actor playing the previous role sets you up well to like frame the, the secondary role. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 It definitely is like, it's like the contrast between Lafayette and, Jefferson is mostly that they're both like French, yeah. <laughs> but but like 
David Diggs such a, does such a good job in those roles. And, like, I, I always forget about his French accent whenever I'm, like, going back to listen to it. But I like it so much. And it's so impressive how he, like, raps with the French accent. Yeah, true. It <laughs> like, is. again, listening to Guns and Ships is so much because you're like, that's quite a that's quite a lot of work we're talking about favorite songs i have listened to guns and ships just a lot just because i find it very impressive it is incredibly impressive i mean david diggs is the most professional professional yeah and like he's just so great yeah i mean so i'm so glad that he is like a person and doing like great things now too bad he's on too bad now he's on a snowpiercer tv show delia uh, I know I can't watch it. You guys, I can't watch it. I fucking hate the Snowpiercer. Remember when he was on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? <laughs> I do. He was also in Blackish, uh, yeah. which I enjoyed because he just played like the brother-in-law who was kind of like a stoned hippie, and I enjoyed that. I was gonna say, wasn't he like a fun uncle? Yeah, he was like a fun, like weirdly philosophical, like hippie stoned uncle. While we're talking about like casting and performances leslie odom jr really does the most he's like given he's given everything he's working so hard and especially in the in the recording like him on stage you can just see how hard he is working i'm like damn i appreciate you yeah Yeah. like i think in terms of like comparing the cast album to the recorded show like his voice sounds the most different in the recording but it's because he has to work so hard yeah on stage he clearly has to like work really hard to project and And he's also moving the entire time i know like yeah he does maybe even more movement than lynn does as alexander hamilton because he is also playing like the narrator right like burr is the narrator of the story so like he's basically in every single song like he basically never leaves the stage which is so much yeah which is also just like my techie brain during that she and i turned to each other was like god if one of those like head mics messed up they would have no opportunity to fix it because they're always on stage and i'm like that would be my nightmare (laughs) it's like if one of those mics like shorted out yeah and it, it would be like 25 more minutes between you before you'd even get like a 15 second opportunity to fix it. Like that gives me like the sweats all over again for my school. <laughs> Speaking of um, bodily fluids, Jonathan Groff. <laughs> <laughs> I... Again, I, I always forget that Jonathan Groff is in this show because I always forget that it's him. <laughs> yeah, I... As I said when we were watching, like they've had so many campy white dudes play this role, yeah. and like they're all. But Jonathan good. Groff is the best. But Jonathan Groff is the best, and Jonathan Groff is hands down like the ideal King George for how like bitchy, yeah. <laughs> how much, how much a qu- big bitchy, a big bitchy yeah. queen basically. How much white gay guy rage? Yeah, <laughs> he, he imbibes into the role. It's very good. Well, and apparently, um, Alex Lacamoire, the the musical director, tweeted that um, Rory O'Malley, the 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 campy white guy that they had currently playing the role in 2016 when they filmed, um, took the night off so that Groff could come back and like be in the yeah. show since it since he originated the role. Yeah, he didn't do it for that long, I think, because he was filming other stuff. And, yeah, because you know. yeah, he's Jonathan fucking Groff. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got a lot Groff. of shit going I think, on. <laughs> I think they were like, you have to like be in Frozen, and you have to, yeah. like, <laughs> you know. I'm glad that they did that so that you could get literally the show that you get from the like original cast show. Yeah. Lynn also, like, Lynn, 
Lin's voice is clearly not as strong as many other voices in the show, but his like. But it's so distinctive that it's like it actually it brings such a level like it brings like a layer to the character and his emotionality and stuff. Like I felt like a lot of his like visual performance added a lot. I mean, I like I like his voice. He has a good voice. Like Sam said, though, when we were watching, um, was it Dear Theodosia that you said just like the juxtaposition is very a lot, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like he's also a great rapper. So that's the difference. Like I know, um, I was watching that terrible documentary on Amazon Prime, um, and one of the th- one of the people was talking about how um, Javier Munoz, who came in as Hamilton after Lynn, was kind of regarded as like a better singer, but maybe not as good of a rapper. So like it's hard to all of these roles, like recasting them has got to be hell because can you? Like, yeah, can, they've had to find people to be David Diggs. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what that's what I think about all the time. Is like. Imagine, like, I don't know, a, a few years down the line when you're, like, a high school trying to do this and you're trying to get, you're trying to get, like, a high school kid yeah. to, like, do some of these raps and memorize them and be able to perform them. And I'm like, dang, that's so much work. I don't, I don't doubt that you can find some kids that can do it, but dang, that's so much work. Yeah, and I mean, the, honestly, the, the beauty of it is that they have been able to find those people. And my guess is part of it is that it's people that wouldn't have had opportunities elsewhere. Right. So they right. have had, like, I mean, the, the number of POC that have been employed by traveling companies and, you know, over international companies of Hamilton and stuff. Like, I'm sure that those yeah. people have not had their, have not been recognized in other right. aspects of theater. So, like, having these opportunities, they rise to the occasion. Again, if nothing else, the show really has created opportunities for people of color in the space that is incredibly white, yeah. that is very unique. And because of, like, Lynn's hardline stance, like, they're, like, these are, these... These roles are for people of color. They are not for white people. Like, yeah. if, if you can't find people of color, you can't do the show. So, it, like... It's very powerful. Speaking on just like a a minute on the whole like high school slash college production of it all. I saw a production of Hairspray in college and they had literally one black person in Hairspray. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, why did you do Hairspray? That's not the point. (laughs) Their lead actress was also in a fat suit. So that was like a lot. But anyway, like it was just like, if you don't have the people for it. Don't you can't do, do it. it. Don't do um, it. <laughs> and and maybe you should take that as a cue to like look at your school and like right. hey, why why aren't there any fucking like black people in the school, huh? Question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh for context, our our high school yeah. just has gone through a very bitter battle, but ultimately victorious because our uh high school mascot for the last 80 years has been the Redskins. Mm-hmm. And had just this past week voted finally to retire that mascot um, after much campaigning. Not unanimously. It was four to one. Not unanimously. <laughs> There's still one big old racist who was like, I love me a racial slur, even though this 90% white school district loves to be, you know, taking a Native American slur and using it at, and like doing tomahawk chants during their fucking sporting events and shit. Yeah, I'm... I'm happy that we finally put it to rest and can move forward and, you know, do do what do the the 2020 thing of just doing our best to progress and get better with that. But um, can we talk about how perfect Philippa Sue is now? I love her so much. She makes me gayer. She like (laughs) she is the one that I think her voice sounds the exact same from the, the recording to the show. 
Like, yeah. it's her voice is incredible. Crazy. What was interesting to me too about the show was like kind of the stuff that they cut out because so much of it is like it's it's a sung through show. It's on the cast recording. There's literally only one little like significant bit that's not in the cast recording. But there are a couple um, of like emotional outbursts from Eliza that we don't get in the cast recording, which yeah. I mean, I guess would make yeah. sense because like you don't really want to hear a like, big a, scream. A, yeah. a big scream. <laughs> but, like, I a mean, big giant scream in your ears. <laughs> but like to go from like singing beautifully to guttural scream to singing beautifully. And then like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's a, it's, Really, she's great. She's fantastic. I love her. So this is something that I I was thinking about because I again I don't think we're gonna get a chance to talk about because we're only forty minutes in. But I watched a lot of musicals this week in preparation <laughs> for this, um, and one of them I watched the Les Mis movie, and I was watching a video by someone who's like a, a vocal coach and like a vocal teacher talking about how bad the music the movie or the the musical the music in that movie Jesus H Christ <laughs> is, <laughs> and it's and they were talking specifically about like. Anne Hathaway's performance. It's like Anne Hathaway did a great job, but she's like, like blubbering, crying while she's trying to sing her lines. And like, it's a, it's a tried and true Broadway technique to like make your face look like you are just bawling while you are not crying at all. And I think that that's something that Philippa Sue does amazingly in this recording. True. She like, you know, when she does let out like a one single tear, it's like clearly after she's already finished singing and can like go drink some water and like, refix her voice but like just the 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 raw emotion that she's able to get across while singing is just it's perfect it's 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 amazing or you become ben platt and dear evan hansen and just learn like where to suck up your snot in between like (laughs) crazy vocal runs because he like has talked about that interviews like yeah i'm fully bawling but it's fine i'll just sing through it (laughs) two schools of thought i don't know if i can articulate what it means for me personally to see philippa sue's face in that role but it's a lot yeah it's a lot again it's problem it it does strike me as a little problematic that like the most sort of quote-unquote heroic roles in this show are non-black POC, mm-hmm. but I also am very emotional about Philippa Sue, so right. that's my conflict. Well, and I, do, I would argue that uh, uh, Angelica is ex- exceptionally heroic, yes. at least. Yes. <laughs> really, I love how the show is very much about Hamilton, but at the end, like, everybody takes a step back. I'm like, I love the fact that Philippa literally ends the show front and center stage. Yeah, like, she gets the first bow. She gets the first bow. Like, she, like, it's such a, like, hey, this woman was here doing all of this work after Hamilton was gone, continuing his legacy. Like, I just, yeah. I love what Lynn did with the song Burn. Like, the, it's an ingenious way to address that we don't know as much about Eliza. Um, like, that we don't know a lot of her, like, inner thoughts and what, during, yeah. like, the events of this musical. Justifying and why. It's, Right, it, it it takes that sort of silence and turns it into power. Yeah, it gives her agency. It gives her right, agency it, in that action, which is not probably not in reality what Eliza Hamilton I know, actually had. <laughs> right, exactly. It's not what a lot of women had. Right, but like the way he treats the women, despite them being clearly in a sort of secondary citizen status at the time period, is very it's very empowering, and it's a good way to sort of address without erasing that, you know, difference in power. 
I mean, the only tear I fully shed during this this watch through was at the end because I have so many feelings about Eliza and like how Lynn told her story for for be- lack of a better term in this yeah. in this musical. Yeah, the 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 line "the orphanage" literally gets me every time. Like, <laughs> I'm just gone. That and the other fifty one. There's a, there's like there's yeah. like three lines in the show that I'm just like, oh no, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have anything else? Do we want to transition to talk of musicals generally, or do we want to talk more about any of? Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch anything other than the Hamiltons. Week. I said I was going to, but I didn't. <laughs> so well, I'll give my general my general thesis because I think it's pretty it's pretty quick to to talk through. But musicals and movie musicals in particular are kind of broken up into a, a couple different distinct periods of time. So, like, if you look at old musical movies like West Side Story, which is the one I watched this week from that era. Or even like Annie or, or something like you know, everything from like, I want to say like 1980 backwards. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of them are just like what you would get on the stage, but like a little bit more fleshed out and like a little bit more room for the actors to work in. Like literally West Side Story has all of the same dance breaks. Mm-hmm. while you're trying to convince me that they're fighting. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, not, it's not trying to be a movie. It's being a musical. Yeah. And then I think Chicago kind of ushered in Chicago as like the first prestige musical movie of like this mm-hmm. era definitely ushered in a period of time where it's like we don't have to be true to the the musical that we're, we're yeah, adapting we can, we can make a movie version right we can make with a m- just the songs and all the events and stuff and I think that that's been successful to some degree but yeah. when you get like some some people take too much liberty with it like I think Les Mis is a perfect example of that like <laughs> I mean it's just it if you listen to the, so my favorite version of Les Mis is the London, the original London cast. And like, if you mm-hmm. listen to the original London cast up against the movie soundtrack, they, Tom Hooper let him do so many things. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hugh Jackman talks so much of his lines and it's like, that is not, the, Les Mis is in the truest sense a song through musical. There are mm-hmm. no talking parts in mm-hmm. Les Mis and yet they just shoehorned a bunch in, I guess, because they wanted to, just to, to make it less musically i don't really know. i mean yeah i mean at that point it's like why don't you just do like a screen adaptation yeah. of les mis the book right yeah, yeah. like just tell like, a story like, yeah like victor hugo wrote a novel <laughs> right, right, right. um and i i thought i think also the era of um ushering in the the movie adaptation has also changed who is in in these movie musicals because mm-hmm. like when I was watching West Side Story they had mm-hmm. actors but their singing voices were entirely different people and the actors were just dubbing over the music yeah. nowadays it's like let's find big, big name actors who can kind of sing yeah and, like, and then we'll, it, we'll give them like some voice training on the fly right. and like make them record it and and you can tell listening to it that this is not like a professional singer, like a trained yeah. singer. Well, and like tie, tying it back to Les Mis, like you have, you know, people like Hugh Jackman and Eddie Redmayne that are just very out of their, out of their field, out of their depth and oh, yeah, out of their vocal range. So out of their vocal range. Compared to Samantha Barks playing Eponine, who played it on, on, on right. the West End and, <laughs> yeah, Aaron, and yeah. Aaron Tveit, the like ultimate Broadway right. actor TM of the moment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it just, it just, it's so jarring. It's like, you cannot go from Samantha Barks to whatever Hugh Jackman is doing and bring him home. I bring him home. Uh, it's, it's the worst. It's so, it's like, the, again, the video I was watching about 
about this. I'll find it and so we can link it. But it was like talking about how like Bring Him Home is supposed to start up very quiet. And it's literally a uh-huh. prayer to God. It is a, co- yeah. a conversation between one man and God. <laughs> and Hugh Jackman comes out of the gate like, Lord, God, <laughs> Oh, man, Sean's going to have to edit your audio on that. It's going to be hell. <laughs> but I had to demonstrate it. <laughs> And then my final sort of point on movie musicals in general is I think it's much easier to make a satisfying movie musical of a musical that doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm definitely talking about the the Into the Woods of it all. Into the Woods, like, it's just fun. Like, it's just super duper fun. Um, mm-hmm. And it has serious themes, but it, they come through when you're juxtaposing them to the the sheer, like, comedy of it all yeah. same with hairspray i love the hairspray movie is it same. a good adaptation is it a good adaptation of hairspray i don't really know but <laughs> amanda Bynes is good, there it's a good like movie though yeah like, it's, it's a, a fun, very fun and good movie yeah, yeah you go to the movie to be entertained and to hear the music and you get both of those things well and like like i said when you when you asserted that originally um it's never gonna be not kind of weird for someone to like start singing their feelings after a conversation. So like part of that is acknowledging that by like making the show lighthearted and making the making the movie kind of wink at itself. Because if you try and like pretend like everything is somber and really serious and whatever, like miss. Yeah. when miss. well also cats. Right. Yeah, cats. When like if you don't if there's no like nothing behind the eyes of like this is kind of weird isn't it like this is silly right like if there's nothing there of like the meta acknowledgement of the camp of it all it it falls flat and like the that's the big problem with cats number one tom hooper literally tried to make les mis again he literally tried to cast hugh jackman as uh mr (laughs) mistopheles and i will die i will go to my deathbed hoping that he got slapped across the face for that for that request (laughs) but he he was trying to make another prestige movie musical and number one he chose the worst possible fucking say, musical to do it the, with of all the musicals to try and like make it take itself seriously you're gonna pick cats yeah and he and you also took away everything that makes cats interesting like it's the costuming it's the way that the actors move on stage it's not the story of cats <laughs> yeah because there is no story to cats and he, yeah. and he tried to make one he tried to make one up like victoria's not real she ain't real <laughs> She ain't real. And I, yeah. So that's my general, like, after watching several movies and movie musicals this week, that's my general thesis. And I think something like Hamilton, the way it does this, it's the clearest, you know, adaptation you're going to get without actually being in the room while it's happening on stage. And I think that if you are really a truly, like, a big fan of musicals, Watching a, a recording of a musical is, is a really, really, really good way to do it. Um, I, I've watched the recording of Wicked, for example, which is never a musical I've seen, but I love Wicked, so it was fun. My first like introduction, my first exposure to like musicals was the original Broadway recording of Into the Woods that I watched in like a music class in elementary school, and that's still like my favorite musical to this day. And it's because, like, that stage show is so powerful. And again, that's another, like, set that, like, doesn't change. And it's, like, very, very atmospheric in that way, where it has, like, a specific, like, look that's iconic to it. And I just love that show for that reason. And I, as much as I like the movie that they did, 
it's still like it does not affect me in the same way like it's a fun right. movie it's fine i watched it i enjoyed it i love i love <laughs> chris chris pine laying on the ground singing agony because that's how i feel about him when i see him but but i would take the original like staged show any day yeah I wonder if, like, part of the approach would be that if it's a fully sung through show, it should just be the way it is with Hamilton, where you just see the show as it was presented, because there's not as much, like, room to to maneuver, you know? Yeah, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, if they did a Hamilton, like, movie version that, like, where you actually had to have, like, all the, like, you would have to show battle scenes right. i guess or like, yeah, I'm like right. i don't want that well, or even like just scene changes like walking from one room to another doesn't make sense because it's so sung through like i felt like that was kind of what was weird about les mis too because they had to like yeah. put in interstitial like dialogue and stuff right just to make it make sense that we had moved on or whatever but if right. it's i mean some of some of the songs in hamilton are like literally they transition one right in the other like right. no beats right. missed and yeah. if you broke that up it would ruin the sort of momentum of the show right yeah yeah and i I mean, one, one problem with the Les Mis movie, too, is like Les Mis is a, a show that is like completely act one. All of the musical cues from act one come back in act two for right. different people's songs. And the way that, that Les Mis, like the movie did some of the songs like by taking out, like by putting speaking parts in them or cutting them short, like those musical themes are completely Got, gone. Yeah. And yeah, like, you like lose it. And yeah. it's like, that's at that point, again, it's like, just if you're going to, you, you want to do a movie about the French revolution, just do it. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Speaking of like campy musicals that don't take themselves too seriously. I rewatched little shop of horrors, the Rick Moranis movie version. And that like, it's, it's, it's a Delia. Do you remember when we sang a medley of that show? Yes. <laughs> Inquire, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did we watch the movie after that? Like, I, you know how Inquire, you always watch the movie of whatever songs you sang the day after. I your don't concert? think that's true, Corey. You definitely do. Well, because like when your concert's over and you're just like, you know. The teacher needs some time off because they've been at school for 12 hours a day for the past week and a half. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. I was very invested in our teacher's personal lives, as we already know from my <laughs> life story. But uh, I feel like I must have seen it, but I also didn't remember anything about it besides just the whole plot because I know the show. But right. uh, man, the voice that the girl does to do Audrey is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> and I know that it's not her real voice because when she sings, she's got a good singing voice, but wow, it's a lot to do for a whole filming of a musical or a show. Yeah. And uh, Steve Martin as the dentist <laughs> is yes. a maniac. And yes. it's so ridiculous. And I just can't. I, did you guys hear the thing about Chris Evans wanting to play the dentist in a remake yes. at some point? <laughs> I don't know how to reconcile that in my brain. I don't know. I don't know how. I can't. I yeah, don't. I was going to ask, is that happening? Is there going to be a remake I, of Little Shop? I, I, don't. I, can't, I can't remember if it was just that hit, that sound bite of him or if it was actually like something they're trying to work on. I don't know. I can neither. I cannot decide how I would feel about it. I really can't especially after watching the steve like if he's trying to emulate the steve martin of it all i don't think i can handle that <laughs> yeah 
so I also re-listened to because I didn't have time to rewatch it, but it's again a pretty sung through movie. The last five years, the Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. Jeremy Jordan version. And I've listened to both the Broadway version and the movie version. And I'm just very partial to Jeremy Jordan and uh, Anna Kendrick both. So I really like the movie versions more just because I like both of their voices a lot. But that's also a really nicely like cool construction of a show. Interesting like idea for a show with like the varying perspectives and the varying timelines. Nice tie back into Hamilton because he asked the writer of the last five years to take the phrase nobody needs to know and then like the violin, you know, part and like pay homage to that show in the mm-hmm. in Say No to This. But yeah, that's a really good soundtrack and movie where they basically just they do also have to do kind of the interstitial dialogue thing to get from scene to scene a little bit more. But it's very well done. I like that movie a lot. Disney Plus also has the Broadway performance of Newsies which I listened all the way mm. through with Jeremy Jordan in the lead. And that's more of a Hamilton, like it's, it is literally the show and they just film it and that's good as well. So that, that's what, that's the ones that I like re-listened to. And, you know, I also listened to In the Heights because Lynn and Spanish and I'm excited for next summer, but little Anthony Ramos, my little boy. <laughs> yes, <I'm so laughs> Can't wait. I just fully don't understand why there hasn't been a Les Mis movie. Like, I, this is going to be my, my, my backdoor pilot into a please make a li- lay, uh, not Les Mis. Um, uh, fuck. Hold on a second. Cut this out. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What am I thinking of? I just said it. Wicked. Oh. <laughs> well, Wicked. Was, wasn't there a minute where, like, Ariana Grande was going to be in a Wicked movie or something? I, I don't. Oh, I didn't hear that. I don't like that. I don't. I don't want that. I want a Wicked movie though. I think Wicked would make it for a very good movie. And I mean, it's not sung through. It's got scenes in between. Yeah. I got really into Wicked because I also have read very the into book Wicked. Yes. Wicked. And like, remember when we were in high school? There was a moment when you know we were the whole world. Every, was everyone was <laughs> fucking really into Wicked. We were all listening to Wicked on repeat. We were all singing Wicked every day because we were theater people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I just I think it would make for a really good movie. I don't understand why there hasn't been one yet. It's a very recognizable filmed s- yeah. setting. Like, yeah. If if you're gonna make a movie, why not make that one a movie? It would yeah. the singing wouldn't feel out of place. Like that is one that like actually has a plot that like is d- isn't wholly musical like it's it's one that would absolutely work like especially now with like the special effects yeah, and makeup that's and everything it would be really good it's one that can be enhanced by like a film yeah, our technology setting. now <laughs> and, and the sets and stuff being more varied like you could build more of a you know more School, of a world yeah. and stuff you could show what their school looks like. You could pay homage to the original Wizard of Oz with the way that the you know Emerald City looks. It, I think it would be a really good movie. Please, someone make this movie. <laughs> For me, personally. <laughs> I'm sure that they probably have try but i don't know what the maybe the obstacle is just finding the right people for the roles yeah i yeah. i don't know who could match up to kristen chenoweth and idina uh, menzel <laughs> adela dazeem adela dazeem yeah. and unfortunately both of them are a little too old for the roles now yeah, yeah i mean i don't think they could do that movie because they're supposed to like literally be teenagers yeah, and stuff yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a show I would love to see, like, a proper a movie, of, yeah. movie version of. Yeah, I mean, the recording's fine, but I think it would yeah. be genuinely enhanced by a movie. And I think our last point for this episode should be, hey, remember when we did Chicago in high school <laughs> and how inappropriate of a show that was for high schoolers? <laughs> yeah, I was watching the movie and I was like, mm, well, most of this is about sex, so... Yeah. <laughs> and we, like... 
I can't, like, I'm trying to imagine now the, like, our parents who are in the <laughs> audience watching literally a bunch of, like, 15, 16-year-olds wearing very skimp, very skimpy clothing, dancing around, singing about sex. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, how uncomfortable was that entire situation? S- some child had to viciously shout, you screwing the milkman! <laughs> <laughs> and, Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the best part of us doing that show in high school, which I I distinctly remember at during that time, like we were one of the early high schools to get the rights to do that. And I don't know how many times it's been done <laughs> since then, but um, I think the best part of us doing that is our friend Justin got to uh, <laughs> wear like five inch heels and size dance 13. around. <laughs> yes, size like fifteen. Five, yeah. <laughs> What's the character name? Mary Sunshine. Is that right? Mary Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's excellent, and that's yeah. good. And the queers win forever because of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that show almost killed me, literally. But it's fine. Yeah, that. Sh- yeah, that. Uh, Sam, Sam and I were on set. I was set designer for that show, and Sam was one of my uh, scenic crew. I think I helped out and with that show too. I can't. Yeah, remember. you were there too. Um, and that, that was, that was a show where I, we had to paint that, we had an entirely black set that was, like, a platform with a bunch of different, like, stairs and whatnot that, like, moved around, and so it could be, like, you know, moved around during the stage for different songs, and we had to paint that thing, mm-hmm. like, 15 times, because they kept telling me, like, oh, you just, just paint it black, and I was like, okay, and I made you guys all paint it black, and then... We were Flame like, retardant. No, yeah, no, wait, no, no, wait, it needs to be like a matte black. And then we painted a matte black. And then they were like, it's too matte now. Maybe we should go with like a satin finish. So we did that. And there was like, well, we need to put flame retardant. Otherwise, it's not like, you know, up to fire code. for, this, up to for code. this Chicago song. So we painted it again. And we did that like 15 times. Yes. And I'm still very sorry that I had to ask you guys <laughs> yes. to do that. I, you put me in charge of painting yes. the scaffolding. And I don't know yeah. if you remember that, but I literally almost died because I I was like yeah. using paint thinner in a closed room <laughs> yeah. and then I was spray painting in a closed yeah. room there's so many times I've all I almost died on that scaffolding <laughs> I can't tell you <laughs> well do we want to use this as a segue into there are a lot of people uh that yeah. put in a lot of work to make your musicals happen to make your musicals yeah. happen all the people in Hamilton the people behind the scenes of Hamilton the people behind the scenes and on the stage of all of the shows you've seen in lieu of recommendations this week we're just gonna say if you enjoy live theater and musicals and you have an appreciation for that art form and it's brought you joy if you watched Hamilton this weekend and enjoyed it uh just keep in mind that like literally almost a hundred percent of Theater actors and crew members are unemployed now and will be for at least a year. And it's very unfortunate. And most of them are very, very much struggling to kind of put their lives together. Um, you, you don't make that much money. Right. A lot of them are having to start over in new careers right now from scratch after dedicating their lives to making art. And that really, really sucks. Or, or like find side gigs that will sustain them until things come back and we don't know when they'll come back so so if you care about that at all please write to your senators call them ask them to you know continue to fund unemployment and uh pass another bill for stimulus checks for the unemployed because uh they need it a lot right now and this thing isn't going away anytime soon if you love art and if you if your life is enriched by art which all of our lives are you should care about that and want to 
help them yeah. right now when they need you to. If you want to see another stage production of Les Mis rather than having to watch the movie over and over again, please. We beg you. I, I beg you. I, I love Hugh Jackman, but I don't love that. I don't love what he did. Yeah, I'd prefer if I'm going to watch Hugh Jackman, I'd rather watch The Greatest Showman. I'd rather watch Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, I would rather watch Wolverine personally. Or just like videos of him doing dumb shit. <laughs> One time he took a picture and posted on Twitter and it's just him smiling in the corner, like a selfie of him smiling in the corner with a little tiny penguin behind him. And that <laughs> sustains my life force. <laughs> All right. Well, do we want to go ahead and wrap up for the week? Call it a day. Yeah, I think we're, I think I think so. we're done. All right. We, we did get a full hour out of Hamilton. We did. Yeah. Pre- prepping beforehand works. Who, who would have yeah. thought? And, and I got to talk about the 12 hours I dedicated to movies <laughs> this week when no one else did. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I mean, I listened. No one asked you to. <laughs> no one told you you had to do that much. I didn't. This has been Discontent, a podcast about nothing and for no one. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Discontent Podcasts and on Twitter at Discontent Cast. And if you liked our show or liked Hamilton, I guess, you can uh, just leave us a review. We already know everyone likes Hamilton. You don't need to leave them a review. Leave us a review about Hamilton. You can leave us a review about how much you like our theme song, which is South of France by the Swing Ninjas instead. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Uh, I guess that's going to do it for us. Uh, See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.